0: Well, before we start, I want to encourage you to pray for the men who are in this pulpit. Not just me, but each of them. You need to know who by name is coming in, so you can pray for them. It is a real struggle to teach God's word, even as many years as I've had in it and used it in ministry. But it's a struggle. And sometimes it's not against the evil one. It's between that person and God. And we always want to see God win because then y'all win. And I've had one of those weeks. We'll tell you more in a minute. Let's pray. Father, let our hearts be still. May we hear your voice. Don't pay attention to this imperfect instrument that you're using. But we may hear you. May your spirit stir us. Stir us to seek more intimacy with you. To desire to be pleasing in your sight. Having a desire to tell others about Christ. Having an intensity about our faith that we might see our community, Oak Ridge, Knoxville, Tennessee, all changed. So, Father, we want to honor you with our time. and In our Savior's name we pray. Amen. A couple of weeks ago, um, I mentioned a verse in, well, it's probably been over a month. Time passes quickly. Sometimes when you're... Not always here every week. But the passage was in Job 22:21, where the writer of Job says, Acquaint thyself now and be at peace with him. Well, I want to spend a little more time with that thought. Acquaint thyself. And that word "acquaint," as I said before, is is a description of an intimate relationship between a man and a woman, and that's what God wants with us, with Him. He wants us to have that kind of intimacy, and so we're going to talk about that. And actually, only one verse, and then I'll go to Hebrews to back it up from another direction. And that was my struggle. I had a vacation last week. My wife and boys all wanted to go fishing. I haven't finished my sermon. I haven't even started. I only have one verse in mind, and it's from the hardest book in the Bible, Song of Solomon, very difficult book. I spent a whole year in it, studying it, and I lost all those notes, so I'm going to have to start all over again. I said, I told God, I I can't do this because I didn't get anything else done. I had my quiet time, but no study time. And so I told Lord, like we all do, I can't do it. Let me go some other way. I got a passage on fishing from the Gospels. I said, nope. But it's only one verse. How can I talk about one verse for 40 minutes? Well, God won. And I hope you have won. There are recorded in the scriptures over 400 prayers. Did you know that? I've studied about 100 of them. Not deliberately, but just in my own time in the scriptures. And some of them we know. We know the Lord's Prayer. We know Jesus' high priestly prayer recorded in John. We know the prayers of Daniel, chapter 9. And I encourage you. You really want to know how to pray for our nation, that's it. That prayer hits it right on the nail on the head. There are other prayers, David, Nehemiah, and more. And there are books written on prayer. But there is no magic or power in repeating the words of the prayer. True prayer comes from the heart of a man or woman that recognizes, now catch this, they recognize their helplessness. You can't really pray until you come to the point where you recognize your helplessness and you cry out to God in faith, God, I can't do it. That was the struggle I was having. It takes me 20 plus hours to prepare a sermon to do it right. And so this sermon has been in my life for a long time. This is a key verse I have used in ministry for many, many years. We're going to look at Song of Solomon 1.4. And there's an author. When I was in seminary, I happened to read his book. I don't even know if you can find it anymore. His name is Hallisby. It was written in 1931. Hmm, it's interesting how all the good books are old. And he comments, helplessness in self or others, but faith in God to do the impossible. So God did the impossible this morning. Sixteen years ago, you may remember, there was a book out on prayer called Jabez's Prayer. And most people bought it. And it was a real sharp prayer. It was about breaking through the, the blessed life. And the prayer was as follows, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my border and that thy hand might be with me and that it might not pain me. And now I pray part of that prayer for all my missionaries that God will enlarge their border. And I had one of the guys I discipled years ago. The Lord sent him to Kenya. He was an engineer. God enlarged his border, showed him how to use iPads in Kenya to get the gospel out. And Campus Crusade adopted that in other lands. See, God was enlarging his border because someone was praying for him his border to be enlarged. Well, today we're going to look at another prayer or statements in the Song of Solomon. It has been my prayer for many. And it's rich, Anytime you go to the Song of Solomon, it's rich, but very difficult. I do not profess to be an expert on it. But there are several perspectives of the book. One perspective, it's God and Israel, that wooing. The other perspective, it's Christ in the church, his bride, and that's what a lot of Bibles hint at. Or it could be between a man and his new wife. But verse four has application to all three. And so the verse goes, if you have your Bible in the Song of Solomon, it says, Draw me after you, and let us run together. See, it's short. It's easy to remember. And it's easy to meditate on. John six forty-four. Jesus makes the comment, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. God draws us to himself. It is his work to draw us to salvation. It is his work to draw us to sanctification. Why do we keep trying to flesh out our sanctification? You cannot. It's all of God. God gets all the glory. We try to flesh it out with programs, by legalism, and more. So let's look at this prayer, draw me after you, and let us run together. The drawing by God is every day. God is doing his drawing every day. It's continuous. It's every morning. Look at Lamentations. We're close to it in the Song of Solomon. A few books over. Lamentations 3, a verse we all know. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. You've probably memorized it. At least I hope you have. I have to re-memorize it from time to time, but I remember most of it. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. He's drawing us every morning. Every morning. The other night I was in a park that I take care of the foxes in and the cats too. And God blessed me with sin a white skunk again. And they're very rare. And there was the white skunk and two siblings. And so the white skunk was the ugly duckling because he wasn't like any of the other skunks. And they were playing. I said, golly, God, that's what we should be doing, being amazed at your creation, what you have done and created. In the animal world and in the people as well. That's God drawing us. You may feel like an ugly duckling, but you may be the most pretty pretty one. Turn with me some other places. Hosea eleven four. We'll be in the Old Testament quite a bit here, so you're gonna flip a few pages. 11.4, and we'll start verse 3. It is I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them in my arms, but they didn't know that I healed them. I led them with the cords of a man, with bonds of love. I led them with bonds of love. And then you turn to Psalm 32, and you don't have to turn there, Thirty-two nine. He did not lead us with bit and bridle as for a horse or a mule who have no understanding. God doesn't lead that way unless we fight him. He leads with cards of love. He's always drawing us. And even Jeremiah 31.3, I have drawn you with loving kindness. He is always drawing us. That is his continual work. But this drawing is not a simple, easy, uh, ethereal experience. It's with difficulties, corners, problems, and so forth. It seems like it's horrible, but it's God's way of getting our attention to bring us to the point that we're really helpless apart from him. Apart from me, you can do nothing, Jesus says in John 15. The request in this prayer is draw me after you. The bride, the church, the believer has finally come to the realization that she wants a greater intimacy, a greater intimacy with her lover. In an intensity, no matter what the cost. See, we don't think that way. If it's going to cost me something, I don't want a greater intimacy. I'll build my walls up, my barriers up. But God doesn't want that. He really loves us. And he wants us to come to a place where we ask him to draw us. Now, if we don't pray that prayer, guess what? He's still going to draw you. It'll be a little bit more painful. Bitten bridle may be necessary. But if we vote to prayer, we'll experience the joy of the Lord as never before shall. It's an unspeakable joy. But many res- believers are resistant to being drawn. Maybe because of things, busyness, their own significance. What others will think? Fear. Fear is a big one because I'm not going to be able to control the drawing once God starts it. And the last one is really the bad one, the enjoyment of sin. That hinders us wanting to be drawn. The second request in this prayer, let us run together. The journey or path for each of us is different. We have different backgrounds, different skills, different gifts, different options. But what God wants to develop in that path is a holiness, a conformity to Christ, our ability to seize opportunities he gives us to share Christ. That is always the same. He wants to mature our faith. That is always the same. It makes no difference whether you're young or old. If you're 70 years old, your faith can grow. If you're 15 years old, your faith can grow. There's no limit by age. If I told you my age, you wouldn't believe it. And I'm still growing. And as your faith grows, guess what else happens? And you become more intimate with the Lord. You begin discipling others easily, no one has to twist your arm. There's an openness that happens in you. You won't believe until you see it. You want to tell others. You want to tell others about the next step in the faith. And what's interesting here, he said, let us run together. Some of the translations of this passage, and I went through all of them, they say it's a rush. No, this is a long distance race. There's no quick way to get intimacy. It is a long-distance race. It's a marathon. But guess what? He is with us in it all. God is continually wooing us. We do need to be careful, though. Remember the ten lepers who came to Jesus and wanted to be healed? And only one of them came back. Only one of them wanted the intimacy with Jesus. It's easy to want the gifts and not know the giver of the gifts. And that's what we have to strive for. Notice that together, there's little distance between the two. And let me give you an example that communicates this. Some of my ministry has been with track and field over the years and football players at the the college level. But I've always been drawn to long-distance runners, being one. had a chance to go to a scholarship on one, but I chose academics instead. But in cross-country, the sport is exciting, but you can't see it because they run a course and you see them come around once and then they'll run it again you you come around once and you don't see what happens. You don't see the training. One of the things in training that the coach tries to do with his athletes is to teach them maintain contact. Minimize the distance between you and the runner in front of you. Because then you pull the runner behind you and you speed up. You have to keep the distance to a minimum. The further the distance you have, the more discouraged, more despair you have. And you may drop out of the race. Let us run together. Run together. I know when I was running with some of these star athletes, we would talk. Here we're running six minute miles. We're talking. Going up a hill. Talking. Going down a hill. And we also, I used to always make jokes with some of them. Some guys have big feet. And you can't, how can you run with big feet? Well, when it rained, we knew how. They killed everybody on the course. And you never know what the course is going to have it's going to have sand, mud, turns. Every course is different. It's just like life. They're all different. But we've got to run together. That's what Jesus wants us, to run together. And as a church, you have to run that way. Well, let's look at the New Testament parallel. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. This talks about another race, but it's the same race. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all have a course set before us. We all do. If I told you the course I have had, consultant. Preacher, construction, I've done almost everything. But it's been exciting. Life's not dull if you run God's course. It can be a prison if you don't. Some of you may know what I'm talking about. Fix our eyes on Jesus in the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross to Despising the shame and set down the right hand of God on his throne. Encumbrances. Well, let's look at encumbrances. Encumbrances can be bad things. They can be good things. But they're never the best things. If you have an encumbrance, good things can be an encumbrance. My job can be an encumbrance. My hobby can be my encumbrance. My house at home can be an encumbrance. There's lots of things that can encumber us to run the race. the We've got to lay those aside. And you've got to lay down one encumbrance, too. The pastor can't do it all. That's not his position. His position is to encourage you to do. He'll come along with you to do. That can be an encumbrance. We need to ask ourselves what possessions that we possess possess us. And when we depend on things, we depend on them more and more and we don't depend upon the Lord. We do. That's how come I hate using my phone. My best time with the Lord when I'm in Texas, in the fields and pastures, no phone reception, working the barbed wire fence, listening to the Lord every step of the way. And I have times like that here. You should too. And the second thing, and the sin which so easily entangles us, our minds, our bodies, our emotions, our soul, all that is entangled. That's what sin does. It hinders the race of faith. And it causes us to doubt God. That takes the believer out of the race. For sure. I love watching my young grandson. He's Two and a half, he's almost looks like a four-year. Still doesn't have all many words. My, my youngest son interprets well for him. So he, my grandson needs an interpreter. But it's interesting to watch him run. He runs everywhere, walks, but he's always watching his feet. But see, God's word says, fix our eyes on Jesus, not our feet, not our surroundings, on him. And that, fixing our eyes, is a present tense, means always doing it every day. And when I have a day that I get squeezed out by everything in life, it takes me a whole day and a half to get back. Keep the distance short between you and the Lord. Too far back, we cannot follow in his steps. We get discouraged. You know, when he's running before us, he will miss all the holes. He will make the turn how we need to make the turn. If there's mud, he'll find a way over. If it's sandy, he'll show us how. He's been there. He's our coach, our pace setter. He's been there before. He's had the same struggles we all have. But he never sinned. Intimacy with him. It's something to be cherished. It really is something to be cherished. There are other places we could have gone. We could have gone to John 15. I could have preached on John 15. But see, then you hear something that's familiar, and then you don't quite hear it the same. That's why I like the Old Testament. You have to listen differently. Or we could have gone to Philippians 3, 7 14, where Paul says, I'm willing to lose it all, call it garbage, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We could have gone there. You would all walked out, but that's all right. That's what the word says. This morning, I was up early, not as early as I should have been, I always peruse um, a little bit in the morning on the internet, just a little bit. Play a game of solitaire, just relax me so I'll be, take a breath of fresh air, be ready to hear the word. And I came across a young lady who finished fifth in the USA Olympic trials in 2012. Her name is Christina Clemens. She's a hurdler, hundred meter hurdler. And in 2013, she ruptured, ruptured her Achilles tendon. Now, for hurdler, that is the worst injury. It took her six years to get back. She had to learn to walk again. But if you read what God did, she has an intimate relationship with the Lord, and she's young. See, intimacy with the Lord is not when everything goes nice and smooth enemy say the Lord comes with the rough times, the corners. And that's the reason why I'm so excited about my book on corners, because that's the theme of that book. God uses those tough times to draw us to him like never before. And this lady, this young lady qualified for the Olympics just this week. She finished third. She gave God the glory. See, that excites my soul, because that's what it's all about, giving God the glory. Well, my life responses are not earth-shaking. And maybe I ran out of gas, I never know. But the first one, try to cultivate a little more time with the Lord this week. I spend, I go through one chapter in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament. I always do that. A little more prayer about what you studied. And some word or phrase will stick with you. Meditate on that phrase. God has given you something to cherish. As you cherish that, his intimacy with him will increase. And most importantly, meditate about what you've read. I didn't have much time to prepare the sermon, but it had been bouncing around in my head for a long time. I've been meditating on it a long time. In addition, share with someone else what one big thing you learned. Share it with someone. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. For you, it may be something fantastic. My wife shared something with me this week after coming from a Bible study. I was excited to listen to her because she was excited. Be excited for someone when they share that. Has your intimacy with the Lord improved in a week? Well, maybe, but it will take time. Number two, don't pray, draw me after you, unless you really mean it. Now, if you don't mean it, I have a solution for you. Pray about meaning it. I had an elder, one of my elders, he did not like pain. Uh, And he said, he would always pray, God, I know you want to do this a hard way, but be gentle with me as you take me through this. And he had a sweet spirit about it. So God, pray to him. Ask him to draw you, gently. He will. Three, pray about and identify your encumbrances. You may need the honest help of others. See, this is where the discipleship relationship is rich. You can go to a brother or sister of Christ. This is one of my encumbrances. Do you see this as an encumbrance for me? If they really love you, they will give you insight. See, God did not intend this race to be run alone. We need each other. You need to develop a rich Deep relationships with other. You can't build them with the Lord if you don't work with each other. Confess the sins which easily entangle you. We all have them. But deal with them. Look for help in avoiding them are the triggers for that sin. See, that's one of the things I have noticed. There are triggers that cause me to sin. And I have to avoid those triggers. Ask another believer to help you. They both hinder our intimacy with our Lord. And finally, may this be a week of running together with our Lord, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our coach and pace setter. He wants us to win, and his help is always sufficient. Always sufficient. It never falls short. Let's pray. Father, you know it's it's difficult. We're sure like my two-year-old grandson. We don't ever want help on some, some things. We just want to do it ourselves. But you want us depending upon you. Not depending upon things, but depending on you, depending on one another. Draw us after you. Let us run together with you. We thank you, Father, now in our Savior's name. Amen.